at the end of, of Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. Paul gets very personal with, uh, with the Corinthians and begins to share some of the, the burdens and trials that he's going through. And he talks about all of the trials that he has been going through, about being shipwrecked and imprisoned and, and beaten and, um, and all, all the, the trials that he's going through. And he gets very honest with them about how heavy those burdens are. And then he also talks about the ways that God had been gracious and kind to him to reveal uh, new revelations to him. Um, and that he was able to see uh, good and true things that, that God had never revealed to really anyone else before. The mysteries of the gospel. And so at the end of the portion of that letter, after sharing about all of the, the hardships that he's going through, as well as all of the, the new things that he has been experiencing, he comes to the end of the letter and he says this, that God has given me a thorn in my flesh so that I would not become proud about all of the revelations and successes that I've had in ministry. And Paul says that there were three times that he asked God to take those things away from him. But God said this, My grace is sufficient for you, and my power is made perfect in your weakness. God in heaven, I pray that that would be what we learn today from your word, that your grace is sufficient for us and that your power is made perfect in our weakness. Amen. Last week, Simps talked about our gifts one of the great promises of the scriptures about our Christian life is that God gives gifts to each one who knows Jesus as their Savior in order to contribute to the work of the body of Christ, to make some contribution to the body of Christ. Each one of us has something to bring to the community, something to offer, something to do, some contribution to make. And that's really good news, that God in his kindness gives each one of us gifts, some particular work or ability that is necessary for the whole body of Christ to flourish. Every follower of Jesus has a gift. And when that gift is used rightly, and as Pastor Sims talked about last week, when it's used with humility and with increasing maturity in Christ-likeness, it is used by God as a part of your faithful witness and contributes to our faithful witness as the body of Christ in the world. This week, we're going to be talking about witnessing in our weakness. We like to be known by our gifts, right? We like to be known by people, by the good things that we offer. We don't like to be known by our weaknesses. None of us want to be a burden to other people. We want to enter into the community, into the church, in our strength, with the good side of us showing, right? Is it just me? We want to show up in strength. But the gospel is a message about God's strength not ours. It's about his work and not ours. It's about his ability in the middle of our inability to bring his redemption in his good and perfect and beautiful way. 
So Paul says that he was given a thorn in his flesh so that he would not become proud, so that he would not become puffed up. Now, we don't know what Paul's thorn was. There have been many different guesses about what that thorn was for him. Some suggest it was some sort of physical sickness or some physical weakness, perhaps like poor eyesight. There's some evidence that Paul may have had really poor eyesight. Others suggest that it was some sort of temptation in his life. Others suggest that it was some person who would come and torment him. We don't know what that thorn was, We just know that Paul, the great apostle Paul, had one. And I believe that we don't know what it was for a very important reason. And that's so that every single one of us could identify with Paul. Every one of us has some weakness, some thorn in our own flesh that keeps us from becoming proud That reminds us maybe every single day of our humanity and our weakness and our vulnerability. And like Paul, you have probably asked God probably more than three times. Lord, would you please take this thing away? Would you please take this temptation or this sickness or this depression or this anxiety or this relationship that needs fixed? Please take it away. Please fix it. And in that weakness, the Lord has probably said to you in one way or another, my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in your weakness. We live as a faithful witness through the proper use of our gifts and through the proper acceptance and revealing of our weaknesses. Let me say that again. We live as a faithful witness through the proper use of our gifts and through the proper acceptance and revealing of our weakness. So we had a sermon last week about our gifts and a sermon this week about weakness. And I want to remind you here at the beginning that these sermons, both of them apply to everyone. Everyone has gifts that God wants to use and everyone has some thorn in their flesh, some weakness. There are some of you here who really needed to hear that message last week. And I want to remind you of it again because you don't believe that you really have gifts to offer to the body of Christ. And I want to say to you again that you really do have something valuable, something essential, something, in, something important to offer to this community. It may or may not fit into some sort of official program that we do at Broadway. It, it may not be something that people see or that's visible, but you do have some gift to offer to the family here. And you need to hear that today because maybe you don't believe it or maybe you're not walking in it. And so this is the time over these few weeks in your small group or coming to my office or to to talk with Pastor Simps or some other leader or elder to talk about what is the gift that God has called me to use and what way do I need to be using it. And there are others of you, though, who need to especially hear this sermon today to remind you that God is also revealed through your weakness. It's probably the case that all of us know what our weakness is. All of us could say what our thorn in the flesh is, but some of us are really good at hiding it. We put it aside. We don't show it. We don't reveal it to anyone 
because we want to enter into the community with strength. And so we hide our weakness, sometimes even from ourselves. And this sermon today is a reminder to every one of us that God's strength is made perfect through our weakness. God wants to reveal himself not only through your gifts, but also through your weakness. We tend to have this idea that we have this, this pile of weaknesses over here in our own lives or in our church community or whatever. And we have this pile of strengths over here. And the goal is for us to figure out how these gifts can come over here and fix all of these weaknesses and get them out of here. And so we try to use our gifts and our resources and our ideas and our cleverness, our strength, to solve the problem of our weaknesses. Most of the time, we think that our weakness is only and always a problem that we need to solve. And that's a really strange thing for a people who read the Bible. Because there's this thread throughout the scriptures from beginning to end about the way that God persistently works through human weakness. It's actually not really a thread. It's one of the main ropes throughout the scripture. The way that God enters into human weakness and brings his redemption through it. Moses was a murderer and he couldn't speak very well, and God used him to lead his people out of Egypt and into the promised land. David, he was the runt of the litter. His dad didn't even remember to call him in from the field, and yet God chose him to be the king, the king. We know in the Psalms that even while David was king, was at the highest place and was, was a man of great success and accomplishment, we know that his inner life was often a mess, was often crying out to God about why God had abandoned him. These are the two giants of the Old Testament, Moses and David, and we see that God entered into their weakness in order to use them. And then, of course, there is the story of Jesus, the son of of God who took on weakness himself in order to save us. Christmas is coming. It's real close. I can't believe it. It's almost here. And we're going to hear many times throughout that season how Jesus, the Son of God, took on flesh, entered into our weakness, took on the very vulnerability of, of a baby dependent completely on his parents. And then in his life and ministry, Jesus never sought anything that looked like human strength. He was materially poor and dependent on other people in order to live. He never sought to gain any sort of political power, even when it was offered to him. All of the times when he began to gain popularity and notoriety and started to become famous, he would inevitably say something that would send every, make everybody mad and send them away. He ignored and rejected everything that looked like the power of men so that the power of God could be revealed through him. And of course, the love of God was demonstrated on the cross, a place of great weakness and vulnerability, where Jesus became weak and exposed himself and completely became completely and totally vulnerable to murderous people. In the letters of Paul, we read over and over again that weakness is the way that God reveals himself to the world. 
In addition to the scripture about the thorn of the flesh that I just read here, a couple other places where Paul speaks about the way that God reveals himself through weakness. 1 Corinthians 1, starting at verse 26. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, besides everything else, he says, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. Our weaknesses are not simply something that our gifts are made to overcome. Our weaknesses is where God's strength is revealed in us. God uses our weaknesses to reveal himself to us, and he uses our weaknesses to reveal himself through us. Those are the two main points as we go for the last part of this sermon, that God uses our weaknesses to reveal himself to us, and he uses our weaknesses to reveal himself through us. So first, God uses himself to, to reveal himself to us in our own weakness. God loves us way too much to allow us to continue to live with the lie that we are strong enough. He does not let us keep this idea that we are strong enough to live without him. Do you remember the story of the rich young ruler? This is a man who, by all accounts, was strong. He was rich. He was young. He had some sort of authority in the world. He has money. He has the strength of youth, and he has been given authority over other people. This man is the definition of strength in the eyes of the world. But this man knew that there was still something missing. And so he comes to Jesus and he asks him, good teacher, What do I need to do in order to inherit eternal life? In other words, Jesus, I've heard you talking about life in the kingdom. I've heard you talking about what it means to be blessed. I've heard you talking about the abundant life that is available. How can I get what you're talking about? And Jesus responds to him, keep God's commandments. And the man says, I've done that. I've done that since I was a little boy. So in other words, not only is this man wealthy, young, and has some sort of power or authority, but he's just a good guy. Religiously, he's good. Materially, physically, socially, religiously, he has everything that we could ever possibly want. And so do you remember what Jesus says to him? You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. And the young, rich, strong, good man, he goes away sad, knowing that he could not do what Jesus asked of him. The call to the rich young man was to surrender. To surrender. Jesus told the crowds that it is hard 
for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And the reason for that is that our riches, our wealth, our strength, our gifts have a way of insulating us and protecting us from seeing our need for God. Jesus said, blessed are the poor, for they will inherit the kingdom of God. Those who are poor know very well how vulnerable and needy they are. There is an openness to God in the poor because they know their need. God loved the rich young ruler. He loves you too much to allow you to live with the lie that you are strong enough, that your strengths, that your wealth, that your talents, that your abilities, that those things are enough for you to acquire abundant and eternal life. And so somewhere along the line in your life, and many of you who are advanced in age, as we talked about earlier, know that the circumstances of your life are going to come. There's going to be some sickness, some tragedy, some inability to overcome temptation, some other failure, some relational struggle. And God wants to use those things to get you off of your throne so that he can be placed there. So that you will know that you are not the one who is in control of your life. And for some of us, like the rich young ruler, that is really, really hard. Some of us have enough strength and talent and wealth and ability and skill and charisma that whatever we can sort of ward off the hurt and the pain of our lives and kind of cover it over with all of our strengths. I came across an article this past week about Jeff Bezos's income last year. Jeff Bezos is the founder and CEO of Amazon, the wealthiest man in the world. Last year, he made over $200 billion. Now, we have a difficult time imagining how big a billion is. We kind of think billion and million, it kind of sounds the same. They're not the same. They're not the same at all. If Jeff Bezos worked a 40-hour week, then last year he made $142,000 a minute and over $8 million an hour. That's what I said. Wow. But I thought about it a little bit in light of the sermon today. And what I eventually felt in my heart for him was sorrow. With that kind of strength, with that kind of wealth, he can truly insulate himself from almost every form of human suffering or even discomfort, right? And it will be very hard for Jeff to inherit the kingdom of God. For him to realize his need, for him to surrender to God, it will be very hard. But even for all the things that that Jeff's wealth can insulate and protect him from, Jeff faces that pesky thing called death that all of us face. If no other discomfort or suffering ever comes his way that would cause him to look up, he at least has that in front of him. Every single one of us as human beings, every single one of us has to face the reality that we are vulnerable, that we are not in control, that there is some sort of thorn in our flesh that we can't remove on our own. And God wants to use that to reveal himself to you so that he can say and so that you can know my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in your weakness. There's this really great great Greek word. It's the word telos. 
And we really don't have a very good English translation for it. And so most often in the scriptures, it's it's translated to be completed or to be made perfect. An illustration of the word telos is that um, I have a hammer at my house and I can use that hammer as a paperweight. I can put it on a piece of paper and that hammer will certainly keep those papers from flying around. Or I can use a hammer for its good end, which is to build a house or fix something, to nail some nail into a piece of wood. When the hammer is being used for the purpose for which it was made, it is participating in its telos, in its goal, in its end, in its purpose. Here, God says that my strength is made perfect, finds its good end in your weakness. Isn't that a beautiful thing? God allows the thorns in our flesh, the weaknesses and vulnerabilities of our human life to reveal himself to us. And this is always a painful moment for us when we realize that it's our weakness that we have to turn to in order to find God. It's what Sheldon Van Auken called that severe mercy. Those moments when we're forced to surrender in order to receive the good and better thing, the grace and mercy of God. So the call to us is the same call as to the rich young ruler. It's the call to surrender, to admit our weakness, to seek God's help, to seek his forgiveness, to seek his strength, and also in our weakness to be able to seek the help of other people. And when we surrender, when we admit our weakness and come to God, he promises to bring his whole self to us. That's when he shows up the most. When we admit and open ourselves up to him in our weakness. He will bring all of his resources to your aid. If you remain independent, if you remain hiding your weakness, he won't do it. But when you surrender, admit your weakness, his strength is made available to you. And admitting our weakness also opens up the possibility for other people to come with their gifts. The gifts of God's people come alive when we are willing to show and demonstrate and make known our weaknesses. That's when the other gifts of the body come to bear. So God wants to reveal himself to us through our weakness. And I suggest to you that God also wants to reveal himself through our weaknesses. So we come to know God because of our weakness, and other people can come to know God also through our weakness. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm going to spend the rest of our time here on verses 5 through 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm going to start by reading verses 5 through 7. Paul says this, We do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure. That is, what's the treasure? The treasure is the knowledge of the light of the the glory of God in the face of Christ. That in Christ we can come to know God and see God. 
And we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. The good news that we offer to the world is that the glory of God is revealed in Jesus. The good news that we offer is that people can come to know God by coming to know Jesus. The good news is that we tell other people is that life and light are available through Jesus. This is a treasure that we carry with us. This is what we are witnessing too. And what Paul says is that this treasure, this good news is contained in jars of clay. This message to the world, this gift of salvation is contained in a frail thing. This gift of salvation is hidden in weakness. Sims made a brilliant point last week that everyone has a gift, but if that gift isn't accompanied with humility and the fruit of the Spirit, then that gift can actually become a curse to the community. And so our gifts, the treasures that we hold, the ways that we make God known in the world, we need to remember that they are contained in this frail thing so that we will remain humble and so that we will never believe that anything good that we do from God comes from us, but that it is made possible because of him. God wants to use our weaknesses to reveal himself. He wants each one of us to know that our treasure, our gift, the good news of the gospel, the good things that we offer to the world, that those things are contained in a frail thing. In a jar of clay. So there's a few tangible ways that I want to suggest to you that God uses our weaknesses to witness to himself. Do we have that up there, Tanya? Okay, all right. So there's three different ways, and there's many ways I'm sure that God uses us uh, to reveal himself through our weaknesses, but here's three different ways. First is through our endurance through trials through our endurance, through trials. Do you know someone in your life who has suffered physically, has some disability, some sort of trial, addiction, or temptation, but you have watched them turn over and over and over again to Jesus? That is one of the ways that God reveals himself to the world through weakness. When people endure trials for the sake of Christ. Another way is through the confession of our sin. That when we are willing to confess our sin, we are saying that we are, we are not strong enough, that we've failed, and that we are in need of God. And so when we confess our sin, we are allowing God to shine his light in our lives in those places, to make ourselves vulnerable, and to look not as good to other people as we would like to look. And what happens in those moments is that another person is able to also come down with us. And we see this in the life of of addicts a lot, is that the addict who has overcome over years is able to confess his sin to another addict. And that addict is able to find solidarity and hope, is able to find strength in their own weakness through the confession of a brother or sister. And of course, God uses our weakness to witness to himself through our own testimony. As we look back on our life and we see the way that God has been at work in our life, we are able to point to not our own strength, but the work of God in our life. Through our own endurance of our trials, through our confession of sin, and through our testimony, these are some of the ways that God makes himself known through our weakness. But all of those things 
require us to be known by other people, to make that weakness known. And that's a hard step for all of us to take because we want to be known for our strengths, for our gifts, and not for our weaknesses. So I just want to to finish today with a reminder of the place in history where the glory of God was most revealed. On the day that Jesus died on the cross and he was hanging on the cross with thorns in his flesh, most of the people who walked by that hill that day really just saw three criminals hanging up on the poles. It's something that they saw regularly, and someday it was just another day in the Roman Empire. We look back on history, and we remember that as a special day. For many of the people who were living that day, they didn't see the Son of God hanging up on the cross. They just saw three criminals hanging there. Very few people knew that day that what they were looking at was God's victory. It was hidden. God's victory was concealed in weakness. But from God's perspective, Jesus is suffering on the cross. His submitting submitting himself to human weakness and suffering and death was the way that he saved the world. The way that he took on all of the evil and sin onto his own self and absorbed it, took it on himself. It's not only the glory and power of the resurrection where God was victorious, but also in his weakness and vulnerability on the cross. And so we're called to follow him in weakness too. To be willing to allow our weakness to be revealed to others so that we can let them in and so they could see those things and so that they could have hope that God may be at work in their life too. Let's pray. God, we we pray that you would make yourself known to us in our weakness. And Lord, that you would also make yourself known through our weakness. Give us the courage to both offer our gifts and our weakness to you so that your glory can be made known. Lord, I pray that we would be like Paul, that we would boast in nothing except for our weakness so that your glory and your power and strength could be made known. In Jesus' name, amen.